Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. Hey everyone, welcome to week five of our series uh, going through the book of Romans. Um, it's been great to um, just dig into God's Word and and really ex- expound in what is in there that maybe at a cursory glance we sort of can read over and not really get. So I think it's good that we do these Bible study type messages, um, at least now for this next little while, to really help us um, you know, extract as much as we possibly can from God's Word. And um, can, I, can I just say at the outset how proud I am of our church and especially our worship team. We just come out of a great time of worship and, and these guys are really putting in the hard yards to, to make church as normal as possible for us. And while we can't wait to get back together in real life and have services in our building together and have that live experience, um, for now we have the online thing and, and it's here for a little bit longer, but um, I just want to just encourage us all just to stay focused, stay committed, stay engaged, and that this will pass. And in the meantime, we have an incredible opportunity via technology to, to stay connected. And so um, in saying that, let's get straight into this week's message If you are tuning in for the very first time and you haven't been a part of this series just yet, uh, that's okay. You can jump onto Spotify or jump into iTunes uh, and follow C3 uh, Church Coffs Harbour and all our messages will be up there ready for you to listen to to catch up. But uh, in a brief summary, uh, where we've been up to so far as we looked at uh, week one was uh, the history of what was happening in Rome uh, around the time that Paul wrote this letter. We looked at the impact that it had on the Protestant Reformation and the truth that came out of there was that it was Christ alone, it was faith alone, grace alone, and that glory would be given to God alone, and that scripture alone is what we need to be welcomed into God's family for salvation. It's not about preference, it's not about policy, it's about what Jesus has done for us, and Romans gives us uh, almost a legal type document stating out the facts in black and white about who we are and what we have in Christ. Then week two, we looked at Paul and, and who was this guy that wrote this letter? And so we looked at his life and, and what we could, could glean from him is that basically God cares so much about you and so much about me that he not only takes our sin personally, but he takes our generosity personally and he also takes our suffering personally. That, that God is so absolutely in love with us and we see that through the life of Paul and we can learn that through uh, how then he loves us Week three, then we started to dive into the actual book of Romans and we looked at our identity in Christ. Uh, We looked at who we are, whose we are, and what we have. And and when we understand our identity, it shapes how we view life, it shapes how we view God, and it shapes how we interact with other people. Uh, And then last week, we looked at uh, chapter 1, verse 8 to 17, which is that the righteous shall live by faith. And that there's a, a small passage that we see in Romans that talks about uh, obedience that comes from faith. And we see it in chapter 1, verse 5, verse 5, and right at the very end of Romans, the second last verse in 16, verse 26, there's this thought that, that top, ends, uh, top entails the book of faith, uh, obedience that comes from faith. And so our life as uh, righteous uh, followers of Jesus should be marked by obedience. So today we're going to dive a little bit deeper again into verse 18 through to verse 32. This will round off chapter 1. 
Yes, it's taken us five weeks just to get through one chapter, um, but, but I think it's important that we do spend a little bit of time, uh, as I said at the very start, just digging into the scriptures and, and drawing out as much as we possibly can. So this, this next passage is, it can be problematic, it can be tricky, it can be um, overwhelming for people, it can be, um, it can be used uh, heavy-handedly uh, for people. And so I want to just sort of um, use wisdom to, to get through this passage and, and help us see it in its, in its fullness. And, and so it's not just used to, um, you know, to, to really uh, push against a minority or push against a certain type of person, but to help us get a holistic view of what Paul is teaching us here in these next few verses. So let's read together uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. It says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was being made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave, him thanks, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24. Then God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this... God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they might do what might not ought be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them. Heavy, right? Like that's, wow. Um, Paul covers a lot of territory there and really leave, leaves no stern, stone unturned as to um, the, the sinfulness of man. And so this, this passage that we're going to study today uh, is really looking at Paul's expressive thoughts around God's wrath and the sinfulness of man. And it got me thinking uh, about the wrath of God that the, the wrath of God is something that, at, at least in, in s certain sectors of Western Christianity, we have sort of tried to put liquid paper over. That we sort of think maybe the wrath of God was how God expressed himself in the Old Testament, but now that Jesus has come, God has sort of changed his mind. He's a lot more chill uh, under the new covenant than he was the old. But, but we see in Scripture that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he is forever unchanging. 
And so we can't afford to um, paint a picture in our mind of who we want God to be if Scripture is painting God in a way how he actually is. And so the, the wrath of God is... Um, is absolutely a New Testament concept. It is absolutely a New Testament principle. And, and I want to just help us see a, a picture of this clearly today, that we don't just put that in the too hard basket and go, oh, well, God isn't wrathful, God is love. Um, I remember a few years ago, and some of you might know this, I used to work at an outdoor sport and rec center, and I used to be an activities facilitator. And so I would take kids canoeing, and we'd do archery, and I'd take them on high ropes courses and obstacle courses and all sorts of you know, fun and games. And one particular activity we did was circus skills, and which you're probably thinking, wow, you know, you're a clown, so that makes sense. Well, not technically so. I, I, I was not very good at the skills, but I had to teach these kids. So things like juggling and things like you know, spinning plates and tightrope walking and things like that. And there was this one activity called roller bowler. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with what roller bowler is. Um, you probably would know it as the, the balance board. And so what roller bowler or balance board is, is it's like a small timber board that would sit on top of a steel cylinder. And so the idea is you put one foot on the left side of the board, your other foot on the right side of the board, and you would try and get the balance, right? And that was the whole point, and you try and balance on that, that cylinder. Now, it was really difficult. A lot of kids couldn't do it. Some kids could. But what I observed was um, if you just put your both feet on that board and have your left foot down with your right foot in the air, that would really take very minimal skill or talent at all. And likewise, if you just put your right foot down and with your left foot in the air, it really wouldn't take much skill either. Like the, the real test of skill, the real test of balance was when you could get both feet up and get that board to balance on that cylinder. And I kind of think this, this is a, a similar picture we, we get in church today, in the Christian faith today, that um, I've seen people throughout the years come from really traditional churches, really um, hardline religious churches who would focus on um, the wrath of God and really heavy-handed about that and God's judgment. And, and then they would come to more of a grace-filled church. And so they would then just go, oh, well, I'm just going to give away all that God is wrath uh, stuff because that's just too too much. I'll just go with God is nice, and so they put their foot. Their foot was once down here; it's now down here, and that really doesn't take much skill. And, and likewise, I've seen people come from you know really grace based churches, love God, God is awesome, God's got a plan for you, and they study deep theological concepts and, and, and get really into the nitty gritty of the word, and then they they flip the other side and they go, oh well, no, God is vengeful, God is holy, God is righteous, and so He's not about your best life and love; He's about judgment and all this sort of stuff. And but the truth is, a sign of a mature Christian is someone who can find the balance, who absolutely accepts that God, yes, has that side where He is. There is wrath and there is, there is punishment for those who are against him and those who don't accept him. And there is also grace that is poured out in his love and his mercy for those who absolutely accept him and follow him. And so that's, that's the maturity. That's Because it's easy just to go, God is wrathful. It's easy to go, God is love. But to find that balance, that's where true skill and true effort comes in for us as believers. And, uh, you know, grace, sorry, wrath and love can coexist. They're not oil and water. They absolutely can work together. And, and, and you would know this to be true, right? If, if someone came into my home, and I've used this example before, 
and they go to my pantry, they get out a packet of biscuits, and they go to the sink, and they just crush that packet of biscuits. And then they open it up and just throw it into the sink and waste that packet of biscuits. First of all, I would think, you're a jerk. Why did you do that? But then I'd think, well, that's a really dumb thing to do, whatever. Like, my, my level of anger would be not that high because my level of love for that packet of biscuits wasn't that high. So, so wrath is proportionate to love. Because I don't love that packet of biscuits that much, my response is not going to be that intense. However, if you came into my house and started pushing around my kids, started verbally abusing my wife, well, there's going to be a dramatically different response in me because the love I have for my family is going to be demonstrated in the wrath I will display for anything that tries to harm what I love most. And so that is a picture of God. It's like God is absolutely loving but there is this wrathful side of God that is proportionate because of how much he loves us. And so sin is the thing that tries to destroy the Imago Dei, the image of God that, that we all hold as, as, as human beings who are created in his image. And so God goes to town against sin because sin corrupts his people, sin corrupts his world. And so God's wrath will be poured out on sin. But his love and his grace and his mercy are freely poured out to us because he absolutely loves us um, and the whole point is is that God is holy right and, and it's from God's holiness that his love is poured out not the other way around it's not because God is love therefore holiness pours out the Bible describes God as love absolutely maybe once twice it talks about how God is love but hundreds of times it talks about how God is holy and that is the standard at which God operates and lives. And from his holiness, his love flows and his judgment flows, his wrath flows. And so we see here, uh, if we go back to the passage in Romans 1, 18 to 32, we see um, not the evolution of mankind. Not that man started low and we worked our way and got better and better and better till we were strong and, 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 and climbed high to this level of achievement. In fact, we see in these verses the exact opposite, the devolution or de-evolution of humanity, that we started high, but because of sin, we actually fell lower, lower than the beasts of the earth. And so I love what Warren Wearsby describes this passage in four ways, this devolution of humanity. The first way he describes it is uh, we start with intelligence. And we see this in verse 18 to 20, uh, that man knew God, that God revealed himself to man and men knew the truth about God, but they did not allow the truth of God to work in their lives. They suppressed this truth in order that they might live their life in their own ways without God conflicting them in any way. And finally, men become like beasts or like animals in their living and in their thinking. So we started with intelligence and then we moved to this next stage, which was ignorance. That man knew God, um, but did not want to know God. Nor do we want to honor God or refuse to give him thanks or give him the glory that he is due. And then finally, um, uh, sorry, man was willing to use God's gifts, but not willing to worship and praise God for those gifts. The result was an empty mind and a darkened heart. Man exchanged the glory of God for... Um, Idols that look like men, not God himself. They exchange glory for shame, incorruption for corruption, truth for lies. Instead of man being made in God's image, man made gods 
in their own image and then descended so low as to worship beasts and birds and bugs and and all the animals of creation, this is what they did. They put these animals on these pedestals and worship them, which is funny because when you go back to creation, that's exactly the opposite of how God created the order to be. That God gave the birds of the air, the animals of the field, the, 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 the fish in the sea, dominion under our authority, gave us dominion over these things. But now we see the devolution of humanity, that we are uh, exalting these things and, and parading them as, as, as idols to be worshipped. And uh, wasn't great. So then came indulgence, right? Intelligence, and then we had ignorance, and then indulgence was the next thing that we encountered. And this is in verse 24 to verse 27. God then gives up humanity to their desires. Um, and this comes in line with the old notion of you become what you worship, right? Um, whatever we give our affection to, whatever we give our attention to, is what shapes us, forms us, and we start to live, behave and act like those things. Um, and, and this is uh, where it all went wrong for humanity. When they started to, uh, when they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and lived their own way and started to worship these animals, they themselves started to behave like animals. What do I mean? Do, do I mean they started to crawl around like pigs or roar like lions or, or you know, none of that sort of stuff? What I mean is they started to um, act like animals act in that they, um, an animal doesn't have moral restrictions or conviction. They don't live with um, a set of standards. They basically live according to their desires. Whatever they want to do and whenever they want to do it, they will do that sort of thing. Um, they, they lead, their life is led by their urges and their selfish desires for pleasure. And that's exactly what we see happen to humanity is they started to worship these other things rather than create a God. And so then they started to behave in such a way and their life was modeled after the things that they worshipped. And so this carnal animal instinct was kicked in and they started to indulge in the things of their flesh because God had sort of said, well, if you don't want me, I'll take my hands off. And then the fourth and final stage is impenitence. And this is verse 28 to 32. And this is, impenitence is, is not feeling regret for one's actions or not willing to change um, your behavior, being stubborn. So it says that God gave them up to a depraved mind, which simply means a mind that is not able to form right decisions or right judgments. They've now been abandoned to sin. Paul then lists at the back end of chapter 1, 24 separate sins. This is by no means an exhaustive list, um, but, but it's an indicative list of the sins that are, are common to humanity, right? And, and, and still, if we were to be honest, we would at least tick one of these boxes here of these sins that God gave humanity over to. Um, and it gets worse than that. Um, it says, not only did men commit these sins in open defiance of God, but they encouraged others and applauded them when they sinned also. So here we see the, the, the full um, degradation of humanity that we were once intelligent and our intelligence then led to ignorance our ignorance led to indulgence and our indulgence led to impenitence a hardness of heart a, a re complete rejection of God and a stubbornness to yield to him so rather than this just being a deep theological lesson what's the takeaway what's what's the point of all of this what's the one thing that we can learn from this where, where did it all go wrong I would argue that we see it all go wrong in verse 21. Verse 21 for me is, is the hinge point. Um, it, it says that, um, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God 
all gave thanks to him. But in their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it starts right there. They, they knew God. You know, Romans 1 tells us that we are all without excuse because of God's created order. The way we look at a sunrise, we look at a mountain peak, we look at a waterfall, we look at animals and, and, and humans, we look at the birth of a child and, and everything in creation is pointing us to create a God. So there's this, even at a very baseline level, awareness of God that we as humans have sort of no, done away with that. We knew God but failed to glorify Him as God nor give thanks to Him. There was no sole deo gloria. There was no to God be the glory alone. Um, Martin Luther comments on this, and I think this is a really great uh, quote of his. Um, he says, Oh, how great an evil ingratitude is. It produces desire for vain things, and this produces blindness. And blindness produces idolatry, and idolatry leads to a whole deluge of vices. Conversely, Gratitude preserves love for God, and so the heart remains attached to Him and is enlightened. Filled with light, He worships only the living God, and such true worship is followed immediately by a whole host of virtues. So, so life boils down to thankfulness and gratitude. Because, and, and thankfulness and gratitude keeps us humble, right? And and it's, it's our humility that is the access point for God to pour out His grace. And we see in 1 Peter 5, 5-6 that God gives grace to the humble, but He rejects the proud. Therefore, um, humble yourselves before God. And so this, this humility then comes from what we see that went wrong in uh, chapter 1, verse 21, where they, they knew God but failed to give Him glory as God and failed to be thankful for God and everything God had given to them. And so when we are grateful and we are thankful, that lets the, the walls of pride come tumbling down, that allows humility to rise, and humility is, and faith is what grabs God's attention, and He will pour out His grace to us. Uh, but if we are, are, are prideful, God resists that. And it's in, in humility that, that Martin Luther would say, humility leads to virtues. But pride leads to vices. And we see that all through uh, Romans chapter 1. It's true because if, if we're full of pride, full of selfishness, full of rejecting God, then that will lead to you know, the 24 sins plus that Romans pours out in chapter 1 that we are all susceptible to if we are not humbled before God and thankful for who He is and what He's done. And pride uh, leads us to that place of virtues. Humility leads us to a place of... Sorry, pride leads to vices. Humility leads to virtues. All because God is holy. And do not be mocked, do not be deceived. God, uh, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. For as a man sows, so shall he reap. It's all through scripture. Um, and because God is holy, his righteous love or grace flows to those whose obedience comes from their faith. And his righteous judgment or his wrath flows to those who choose disobedience. Human rejection leads to God's punishment of humans. Human acceptance leads to God's adoption of humans. So my, my question is, in the midst of this chaos, this global pandemic, how can we keep perspective on our life and our faith 
How can we remain thankful? How can we remain grateful? How can we remain humble um, so that we keep ourselves in a place where uh, the virtues of heaven flow in us and through us as God's children, that, that, that our life would be marked by the obedience that comes from our faith. And I think that the, the, the hinge point of that for us is, is that honoring God, it's that solo Deo Gloria, it's that um, you know, to God be the glory alone, that I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to exalt God. And, and that, I think, keeps our hearts sweet. So what, what does that look like for you? How, how do you have a life of virtue in, in this time where things are so confusing, normality seems to not exist? Um, how can we position ourselves to live this life of virtue? And as we, as we come to a close um, today and finish chapter one after five weeks, um, I just want to put the question out there to anybody who, who is yet to come to faith in God. Um, we're going to read in chapter 2 in the next couple of weeks that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, that, um, that a, a true mark of maturity is, yes, that it's that balance of, yes, there is the wrath side of God, but there's also that love side of God. And, and, and it's, our, it's our choice whether we accept or reject God that depends on how we uh, encounter Him. And today I just want to put a question out there to anybody who wants to accept Jesus today, to put their faith in him today to to choose to humble themselves be grateful and thankful that God has revealed himself and we might not know God audibly or see God visually but but he has revealed himself himself through his creation and so we can know he exists by the the sheer magnitude of this, of this earth the, the detail in how it's created and so we are only made righteous we are only made right by putting our faith in Christ alone. And so if that's you today, you need to make that decision. I would just encourage you, wherever you are, in your lounge rooms, uh, at home, at the beach, wherever you might be today, to, to do that. And we simply do that by acknowledging that we are sinful people, that we are, uh, are like the, the people Paul is describing here in the back end of Romans 1, that we have degenerated as, as opposed to, uh, you know, evolved and get better because of sin. And so uh, we, we repent of sin and we ask that God's grace would fill us and heal us and restore us and make us brand new. So why don't we pray this prayer together? Jesus, we thank you that you died on a cross for my sin, that you took my sin and our sin personally uh, by being the ultimate sacrifice, paying the ultimate price for receiving the full wrath of Father God uh, poured out on you. And so that all of us now who put our trust in you, put our faith in you, can be born again, saved and made right in your eyes, reconciled to God the Father. And so we thank you as we make this decision today to acknowledge and repent and walk away from a life of sin. We choose to humble ourselves, be thankful for you and all you've done. And Lord, we want to follow you wholeheartedly. And we just pray that you'd give us strength um, and courage to do that. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would just bless every person today who's making this decision. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you prayed that to you know, reconnect to God and, and you've made business with him, um, I'd love you just to click in the chat bar right now, the I commit my life to Jesus button. Just click, raise my hand, and we would love to get in contact with you. We'd love to encourage you, and uh, that would be fantastic. So, hey, God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks again for being with us, Online Church. Why don't we have one more time of worship together as we uh, lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, 
visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.